it's going to be a wild ride. So buckle yourselves in. Hello and welcome to Stromash, the podcast of the NFL Scotland team. This is episode 214, a historic moment in the Stromash podcast. It's the first time that Cameron Holmes has missed back-to-back podcasts. He was in the USA last week. He has returned, but he is self-isolating. He's not ill, he's just self-isolating. So we we wish Cameron well and hope he gets back on the podcast again next week. From the NFL last week, Raiders on the rails, the Vikings were plundered, the Cowboys almost blew it, the Jags and the Panthers impressive, rare road wins, and Tua was topped by Herbert. Lots of stories, team of the week to talk about, belters to mention as well. I'm joined by Gordon McGuinness and Ian Stephen, who will chat us through all of these things. And gentlemen, I'll start with you, Ian. The Eagles went to play the Giants, pretty one-sided game in the end. It was a one-sided game, and it's something I should be rightly happy about. But I tell you what, I'm even more happy about, Paul. What happens on the 25th of December? Allegedly, it is Christmas Day. I'm just checking you're not going in a different direction. Oh, it is Christmas Day, but Christmas has come early for the Scottish NFL fans because Santa has delivered. And when I say delivered, he who's really delivered. One heck of a guest for our live shows coming up in January. And he's released the tickets just in time for people to buy for Christmas for their loved ones. Now, it's not just any player he's bringing along. He's bringing along what Gordon told me off camera is what PFF have rated as their highest rated player ever since they started compiling statistics. And he is the only player to make it into an all-decade team. And not one, but two positions. And no, I don't mean punter and kicker. We are talking about the human joystick, the X-factor that is Dante Hall. And he's coming here to Scotland for two dates in January. You can actually pay for the ticket and you can physically touch him, keep it above the waist. But that is just absolutely phenomenal. And Christmas is still 12 days away. You know what, Ian, I've always wanted to feel like Phil Schofield when somebody's got a book or a concert to plug. Uh, You've done a magnificent job there, and we look forward to Dante Hall coming over to these shores. We'll pick up on on that just a little bit later on, just to remind people how they can get tickets, but it's going to be tremendous. Dante Hall coming to Glasgow and Edinburgh in January. Well, let's have a look at our Loch Lomond Belter of the Week nominations, and unsurprisingly, Gordon McGuinness, there's an awful lot of love for Brock Purdy, and I believe that on behalf of the podcast, you would like to read out a statement uh, from our 49ers friend, Cameron Hobbs. Yes, Cameron's not here, but he asked us uh, to make clear uh, his view on how good Brock Purdy was. Uh, he Cam- said, Gordon, can you do an impersonation of Cameron when you read it out? Uh no, I can't. I'm not. I'm not good at impressions. And uh, just, I mean, just, I mean, I could just, I could just shout it really loudly. Yeah. Whilst pinching, whilst pinching your nose. <laughs> now, so now, Cam- boys, play nice. So, so Cameron said, uh, "I feel like people are understating Brock Purdy's performance a little bit right now. Uh, he looked so good that I think the 49ers should trade Trey Lance in the off season, which I think is a pretty bold take by Cameron." But sometimes, yeah, sometimes a player can come in and just in one game you know you have the golden goose. This is going to be the player that leads the 49ers to 10 years of dominance. Brock Purdy all the way is what I say. And you know what the rule is in Stramash Podcast? If you're named after a badger, it can only be good. <laughs> I think you're both underplaying him, what Cameron said. Uh 49ers red hot favourites, not just for this Super Bowl, but for the next five. And also he's Hall of Fame bound. I think that's yes. that's fair yes. to say. So I th- I'm pretty sure, f- based on what Cameron actually wrote, that we've represented him pretty well. Let's go to our nominations. Lord Callahan says, 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy, this year's Mr. Irrelevant, wins his first ever NFL start, something that no other first-time starting quarterback has managed to do against the GOAT Tom Brady in his entire career. Also, Stuart Moody, Brock Purdy. Now, this is very technical. This is almost... Uh, Ian Wright, technical. I like his name. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll go with that. 
that's terrible, Pureen, right? <laughs> Craig Devine, I could have picked a, a number of pundits, let's be honest. Craig Devine says, Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, immediately became Mr. Looked Like a Veteran on Sunday night, stepping into the sizable void left by Jimmy G. He made some very good plays on the night, find out Ayuk and McCaffrey for a score apiece in addition to running one in himself and didn't let the mistakes get to him as well. Gregor Dippy basically says the same thing. Being able to score three touchdowns showing the 49ers are still powering the NFC West. Stephen John, other quarterbacks had better games but no rookie in the first start against Brady has beaten him, made some great throws within. Brian Morris says, granted, it's within a Shanahan plug-and-play scheme, but what a performance from the supposed Mr. Irrelevant. That's interesting because I was listening to some of the game on Talk Sport Two, which had the San Francisco coverage, and they were saying this that they weren't overly concerned, Gordon, because of this plug and play. As long as you get a guy who's not giving the ball away, they feel like the 49ers have a chance. I think so. I think it's it's a very quarterback friendly system. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I thought Baker Mayfield would have thrived there and kind of revived his career a little bit because you go in, there's play action passes, you get nice open looks. They've also got you know, a bunch of talented players to throw the ball to. Um, it, it just it it works and it makes things easier for those players. And we've seen it now throughout the years and all the uh, time that Shanahan's been an offensive coordinator, all those things. Um, you know, quarterbacks do seem to thrive there. Yeah, it's interesting. Let's talk about Baker Mayfield because Gavin Newlands, Ian Brown, James Whitson and Mark McEwen all nominated Baker Mayfield. Gavin saying, beating the Raiders D is not worthy of most weeks mentioned, but to get off the plate on Tuesday night, take over at quarterback in the second drive on the Thursday night game and play well, let alone remember enough plays and the respective routes and progressions is impressive. Ian Brown says for the game-winning drive, James Whitson, stunned at this nomination myself at fair play to Mayfield for that performance, especially the winning drive after one practice with the Rams. Mark McEwen just turns up and wins, he says, of Baker Mayfield. Could it be life in his career as a starter? Ian, sometimes the, you, you miss the little details, and I can't remember the guy's name, but the lineman that batted the ball out the quarterback's hands at the end of a play to concede a 15-yard penalty, we'd go down as one of the dumbest things we've seen on the field this season. Yeah, it wouldn't have been the, the brightest, but as soon as the linemen see the ball, they just get excited and they want to touch it, even though they're not meant to. Remember Leon Lett all those years ago in that, that um, the was it the Cowboys-Bills game? Where they, oh no, it was the Dolphins game it was, wasn't it? It was against the Dolphins, that was hilarious. And uh, what, 30 years later, just still, uh, there's a reason why they put those big mitts on them, look like boxing gloves, because they're not meant to touch the ball. Yeah, it's, it's, it's jump, just, dump. Dumb though. I mean, that's the problem. Listen, good teams don't do stupid things, um, and it's it's shown up throughout um, NFL history. It's the teams that are coached well that know all those tiny little rules. Like if a kickoff's coming your way, if you put one foot out of bound when you catch it, that's immediately a penalty against the opposition. Players, some players aren't coached things like that, and some players are so. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. Let's come to some other nominations. We've got Sarah Taylor saying Christian McCaffrey struggled to pick a belt this week because I slept through most of Red Zone on Sunday due to having surgery, not a hangover for once. Sarah, we wish you well. McCaffrey had a great game, 153 total yards, two touchdowns. First over 100-yard rushing game for him since week three. Kenny Law says Dan Campbell digs deep into his playbook, calls a great game to give the Lions a real shot at the playoffs and show the Vikings up for being a team with a false record. I think Dan Campbell, was, there's a clip of him that's gone viral, not quite appreciating one of the play calls that was that was made. I don't know if anybody's seen that yet. Um, I think he swears quite profusely and then realises that the play works. Well, we don't we don't contone foul language in this Dimash podcast. We're clean. As, as a Philadelphia Philadelphia fan, you wouldn't know what foul language was, so that's fine. We apologise to you. Uh, Dawson Knox says, Jason Hoffman, would he be my nomination just for his exuberant touchdown somersault, but he's my belter of the week for his part and the best played out most timely offside penalties he drew the Jets in committing. It came as a critical time in the game, 0-0 in a turgid punt fest, won the five-yard penalty to keep the drive alive that resulted in seven points. Steve Collins says, Detroit Lions, week nine, Green Bay Packers, three and five, but the Packers are better than the record. Lions win. You know, etc, etc. Lions, he says, will win the NFC North. You're now on notice. 
might be a bit over the top, but we, this, we this, shall see. This season? He <laughs> <laughs> doesn't give a time frame. Uh, Ross Taylor, uh, if we still had the ball bag awards, Ross, you would be the equivalent of getting that for simply saying England getting knocked out was the belter of the week. I know it's not NFL related, but England getting knocked out meant I could enjoy the NFL and the rest of the other tournament going on. I mean, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Let's a tight end get a nomination that is not in Travis Kelsey. Steve Briggs and Gary May both saying Evan Ingram, a career day for him. Huge fantasy output. I think he was on my bench. Um, Bet you never thought you'd get a nomination for him. No, we didn't. Had a great game against the Titans. 11 receptions for 162 yards and two touchdowns. Main reason, I'm nominating him so we can get to your team of the week. You're saved from having not to find Travis Kelsey. I think, guys, I think we'll just put Evan Ingram straight into the, the team of the week for now so. on that. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Uh, Phil says, Gregory Rosso, loads of top players this week. Gregory or Groot, as we in the Mafia officially call him, was a monster for us. Big shout out to Mike White, too. What a tough SOB that kid is. Couple of Jets nominations for Mike White or Mike Evan White, says Graham Athey. Phil Palmer also saying the legit hits he took against the Bills were amazing, yet he kept coming back into the game. He's surely cemented his place in the Jets' locker room. And Phil says, OK, the Jets lost, but White was knocked out of the game twice, came back in twice before going to hospital after the game. Guts, determination and leadership. And Gordon, it is that L word, leadership, that the Jets were looking for. And he was impressive. Yeah, the the worry I have for the Jets, I hate to be Debbie Downer. In fact, I enjoy being Debbie Downer. But, <laughs> you know, in, in this case, I hate because I, I quite like the story of the Jets this season. I worry that what's going to happen with the Jets this season is they're going to just miss the playoffs. They're going to be the what would be the eighth seed in the AFC and miss out in the playoffs. Mike White, you know, there's been all this talk around that leadership aspect, the fact he's taken all those hits and stuck around and all that stuff. So the Jets will then go into next season with Zach Wilson still there, Mike White, uh, and no other quarterback option. And I, I know it's a fun story. I just don't think he's... I don't think he's shown enough yet that you should be going into next season with like, oh, this is our starting quarterback. Um, the flip yeah. side of that is if they go and if they bring in like a veteran, how likely is it that straight away everyone's like, oh, we want Mike White to start because he's got that presence in the locker room. So I don't know, but he's still young enough. Like he's a young, he's a young player. And I think he's, you know, impressed given that. I just, I worry a little bit like it prevents them from actually looking for other options at quarterback, because that's a very good roster out with that. Now, if there are any fans actually wanting to see Gordon uh, appearing as Debbie Downer, he is actually performing uh, this weekend at Speakeasy in Glasgow. If anybody wants to come along to that, I'll put tickets up on the website. <laughs> You're all heart, Ian. You, you really are. Your Philadelphia fandom shining through to help another human being. A couple of Philly shouts. Ryan Johnson and Donald McLeod both say Jalen Hurts. Great to see someone come from being written off to top-level performances and blew the Giants away. Uh, Chris McKay says the Philadelphia Eagles blistering performance against the Giants in which they could have probably scored 70 points if they'd really wanted to. And Paddy Kelly, the Eagles. I've given them an award a few times this season. They look the one complete team. The Chiefs look poor in the second half against the Broncos. Bill's yet to still play a complete game. Dallas for dreadful hurt MVP. Looks a lock at this point. Couple of other ones before I get your thoughts. Jared Goff from Cameron Christie and Patrick Watson. Doesn't seem to be getting enough credit in the media, but Goff is playing as well as anyone. And one of the things that just an interesting, very quick take from both of you guys. I reckon at the moment, over half the teams in the NFL don't know who their starting quarterback would be at this time next year. Jared Goff, is he doing enough to to, to stop the Lions getting another quarterback? I think he's doing enough that they don't need a rookie quarterback to start week one next year, which is pretty good. Ian, what are your thoughts on some of the, the jobs? I mean, Jalen Hurts, I arguably went in this season with a question mark hanging above him, but it just shows when you stick with someone and they're coached well, what they can do for you. When when he 
first came out and he was picked in the second round by the Eagles, there was a variety of so-called experts were up in arms saying it was a disgraceful pick and it was terrible. And I was trying to argue, no, it's a sensible pick to make. You want a quality backup quarterback and you want a quality backup that's mobile because that's what works when somebody comes in in the NFL with not as much preparation. And he's he's... Definitely exceeded expectations in the sense of I thought he would be a serviceable player. I didn't think he would ever be getting into the MVP conversation, but it just goes to show what a good front office, what a good coaching staff, and the intangibles that or the intangibles that you never actually get to assess with a player. Everybody thought that Hurts had a, a check against him because he, he came out of the. Uh, the college championship game for for two to come in and replace him, and uh, people were saying it was character, or and um, it just goes to show that consistency is m- maybe the biggest um, friend for a, a quarterback in the NFL because so many quarterbacks are either tossed to the pile too early or they don't have the maturity to cope. I mean, look at the Jet situation; they don't have the maturity to cope with being a, a starting quarterback in the NFL and they get quickly surpassed because the other the other players do not accept anything but perfection from the quarterback position. They will not accept if you speak to any of them, the quarterback has to be perfect. He has to act perfectly um around the other players in terms of how, how he um plays by example, trains by example. Um, and Hurts, Hurts is, everything that's coming out about Hurts is, is just an absolute model professional. It's really um, it's really encouraging to see. And it's going to be the same again this year. There's going to be guys coming out in the, the draft where they get drafted too early into bad situations, as Gordon was saying. Um, Detroit don't need to make that mistake with somebody. They can bring somebody in. Richardson from Florida is the guy that springs to mind. He's going to be the best quarterback, I think, that comes out of this draft if He's given two years just to sit and not do anything, but somebody's going to draft him and chuck him in too early, and he he could get end up end up getting ruined. So sometimes it's it's not a bonus to be drafted in the first round as a quarterback because you don't get the chance to sit and learn how to become a professional. It's uh, yeah. while you're saying that, I was just reading an article because I. I thought that... You, sorry, sorry, I'm sorry, I wasn't entertaining you enough. You had to go somewhere and read an article. Sorry, I was finding an article. I wasn't reading it, sorry. Uh, I was finding an article because I was pretty certain that at PFF we were pretty high on the Jalen Hurts pick. And I found an article right after the draft from Kevin Cole, who was at PFF at the time. And it says, Jalen Hurts wasn't a good pick by the Philadelphia Eagles. He was a great one. Um, and I remember at the time, it, you know, everyone, everyone thought that the Eagles just had to invest in Carson Wentz at this point, and they had to go all in on that move. And I, one, I think Hurts is a really good quarterback. Uh, two, I think even if he's not a great passer, the value he can add in the running game, particularly design running game, is huge. Three, he's also dirt cheap, so it allows you to build this phenomenal roster around him. Like having Jalen Hurts on a rookie contract is why you can trade and pay AJ Brown. Um, but like I remember this from um, writing about him when he was at Alabama he just says all the right things every single week Tua was always going to be the guy who was coming in there as the kind of highly touted guy whereas Jalen Hurts was the game manager for them at Alabama took it in his stride he stayed there he helped them win and then his final year he went to Oklahoma and got to have a year putting up big numbers like him winning the MVP I think would be tremendous because He's just done all the right things throughout his entire college and NFL career. Didn't has made no stink at all in the NFL. Like it could have been an awkward situation with uh, Wentz there and all those things. And he's developed into a really good player. And the reason why the Eagles look like by far the best team in the NFC is because they've built this tremendous roster. But that roster needs the quarterback who can move and who can make throws and all those things to make it work. And he's the difference between the Eagles being a very good team that are the a very good team without a quarterback and you know potentially a Super Bowl winning team. Yeah, lots of chat on the quarterbacks to come in the close season when we'll look at almost team by team because there's going to be a lot of changes. And as the guys have alluded to there, 
quarterbacks will go up in the draft because they always go up in the draft and people always overpay. A couple of other ones just want to mention. Johnny Bailey says Justin Jefferson, best young receiver in the NFL by a mile for me. 223 yards on 11 catches. Stephen Lynn says the Army-Navy game. What's not to love about it? First ever overtime game in the history of one of college football's greatest rivalries. A spine-tingling atmosphere between the midshipmen and the cadets in the stands. Your heart went out to running back Anton Hall Jr., who was just a half yard short of the goal line when losing the ball in double overtime. And he also says the Navy, Navy, Navy uniforms are great. I know it's college football, but it's just a little nod to some... These guys aren't going to be coming into the NFL. That That's their big game. That's their it's, big it's, it's not that, Paul. It's the fact that we've had such a long history of RAF involvement here in Scotland, and Stephen just completely discounts the good work that they do. How dare you, sir? How dare you? Well, no, I think the RAF gets to play the winner, so I think we'll be fine. Don't don't worry about that. I actually, uh, no, I was actually Google. Stephen asked if it was on anywhere, and I googled to find out for him to see who was showing it, and I googled Army Navy, and it turns out there's an Army re- Navy rugby game in England that gets yep. like eighty thousand people at it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I had no idea. I didn't even know he still played in rugby in Scotland, but there you go. (laughs) You live and learn. Gentlemen, I need you to pick our belter of the week. So I'm going to give you, it's a double belter because last week we didn't have any awards due to Cameron not being available. So a double belter. So Ian, first of all, the number between one and 53. Do we not have to choose? How do we do this normally? I've forgotten. So normally we choose uh, the player first. I, yeah. I'm going to player. You, tell you. I'm going to tell you the player. But I want you to get the numbers so I can look oh, up okay. the person. And right, then okay. we can do. What, what was the numbers again, Paul? One to fifty-three. Can we go fifty-one, please? I think that was Mike Singletary's number. It was and Gordon. Uh, I'm going to go for the number of interceptions Mitchell Trubisky threw on Sunday, which is three. I was going to say you couldn't go higher than 53, so thankfully we just had enough space for that. Guys, who would be your player belter? Who will be the belter for the week? Is it Brock Purdy? Is it Baker Mayfield? Is it Evan Ingram? Is it Jalen Hurts? Who who are we going for? Do you know, the name... Has to be the Badger. I think, look, it's it's going to be Brock Purdy. We just, you know, need to accept that now. Trevor Lawrence not getting a mention is... Bizarre to me. Lawrence was phenomenal on Sunday again, and he's like the last few weeks, he looks like the number one pick. Like I remember a few weeks into this season, starting to think it's a little bit concerning that you're not really seeing that. The last the last month or so, he's turned it on big time, and and all of a sudden that's like a two game lead, and the Jaguars and Titans play in the last week of the season. So the Jaguars just need to get that within one game, and it goes to the final game. Um, but yeah, it's going to be party. Should it should be Trevor Lawrence, um, because he's going to be robbed out of place in the team of the week. But it, it's hard to argue with the player that Cameron said, um, he would trade Trey Lance away to keep. Cameron so actually lo- said said he wants both Garoppolo and Lance gone. Yep. A two-for-one two for deal, what can you say? He knows his football, that's for sure. Gentlemen, Brock Purdy, that's who are going to raise a glass to our Loch Lomond Belter of the Week. I feel sorry for Kurt Cousins. Kurt Cousins threw like 300, 400 yards and nobody talked about him. Poor yeah, guy. He lost. He, he, he lost, lost. Yeah. He lost. But the two winners, congratulations to Phil Palmer and Chris Mackay, who will be enjoying a bottle of beautiful Loch Lomond malt whiskey. Guys, that will be with you in the new year, and it will be a fine way to start the new year. Do they also get a a set of uh, whiskey glasses, Paul? I believe that is the case, Ian. Yes, some very nice whiskey glasses. They are beautiful. I've got one in my hand at the moment. Loch Lomond whiskey's gorgeous with NFL Scotland Stramash. Right, gents, we've got to look at the other things, the things that went less well in the NFL. So I'm going to run you through a few of the nominations that have come in for that. Steve Briggs says the 49ers defense 
I thought it was awful how they treated that old man on Sunday. Poor old fella, clearly out of his depth. Didn't know what was going on. Couldn't get the ball out of his hand fast enough, but they kept picking on him. I think Father Time has claimed yet another victim, despite the talk of Brady playing again next year. Cameron Christie says the Bucks defence, 49ers went over and through them with ease. Phil Palmer says DeAndre Hopkins running around with the ball outstretched like he was trying to fumble, which he duly did. Game-changing play, total lack of ball security. James Whitson, Deshaun Watson, every single week, he says. I think it's going to take a while for Deshaun Watson to live things down. Stephen Johnson, Houston Texans. I know they've had a stinker of a year, but getting an interception at the five near the end of the game and can't punch it in and seal an improbable victory. Another rebuild for the hapless Texans coming and pack your bags, Lovey Smith. I think you're right as far as that's concerned. Craig Devine says, Jerry Judy, if it wasn't for his ill-advised outburst, I'd be nominating him in the other category. A three-score performance on the day overshadowed by making contact with a referee in Sunday's loss to the Chiefs, a decision for which he can count himself very lucky not to be rejected for the game. You'd imagine a sizable fine coming his way. Graham Athey says, the Jets so aligned for <laughs> the damage that the inflicted on Mike White must do better. Uh, how about Long Callahan says the last Vegas Raiders, Stephen Bryson also says the Raiders, Gavin Newlands says the Raiders coaching team. So let's start with what Lauren says. To recap the season, the Raiders have now the dubious distinction of losing matches against A, an interim coach with no coaching experience higher than high school level. Uh, and B, a quarterback had only been signed 48 hours prior to the game, participated in one practice. The Raiders also the first team since the 1930s to have squandered double-digit leads in four games in a single season. And that, my friends, is Bowfin, according to Lauren Callan. Stephen Bryson says the Raiders, not for the first time, play awful against a poor team and now almost mathematically out, a real low. Um Gavin Newland specifically says the Raiders coaching team. Could be any number of reasons. Let's start with playing press coverage with 15 seconds left or McDaniels calling three inside run plays where we struggled all night and going three and out when we needed to kill the game and not activating at least one of Renfrew or Waller for the game to add another dimension to the offence. McDaniels has been a nightmare calling plays with a lead all season. Far too conservative. Gordon, we, you know, we look at the game, we often blame different things and sometimes you think coaches almost try and think themselves and, out, you know, try and fool the other team. I mean, some of the running plays that they were calling look terrible. Yeah, I think it's not, it doesn't, shouldn't really come as a huge surprise. They've not been particularly well coached this year. Um, I think it was really interesting that they were so aggressive Um I suppose they had to be, given how aggressive the rest of the division was. I think it's quite interesting that in trying to chase the Chiefs and the Chargers, who have young quarterbacks um, who are impressive, the Raiders tried to surround Carr with better options, and it's not really worked out for them. And the Denver Broncos spent a huge amount of draft capital and money on Russell Wilson, and it's not worked out well for them. So both of those teams really tried to chase... Uh, the Chargers and the Chiefs, and it's just not, you know, it's not worked. Yeah, Ian Brown, Donald McLeod, both saying uh, the Raiders follow the game-winning drive, including the 15-yard penalty for knocking the ball out Mayfield's hand. I referred to that already. And Donald McLeod is probably one of the best lines of the evening. He says, the Raiders' defence, if you need this explained by now, you haven't been paying attention. Which I think is a really, really good line. Uh, let's continue down these. Roquan Smith says Johnny Bailey for his awful assault and face mac body slam on poor Kenny Pickett, forcing Trupisky in and costing us the game. How there was no flag for that was beyond me. If it was Tom Brady, it would have been given out in a flash. Bowfin. I wonder if we've got a, a, a fan of the other team to make any, any opposite point to that. Gordon, did you have a different take? No. As a Ravens fan, do you think it should have been called? No, of course not. It's <laughs> uh, like, you know my view on complaining about officials. Um, it evens itself out. Uh, I thought there were some bizarre calls in that Ravens game that went uh, the way of the Steelers. So, you know, these things even themselves out. See, I, I, I agree and disagree with you. I think I do agree there were some bizarre calls. I'm not convinced they even themselves out, but I think that's I mean, a debate for another yeah, time. Right? I don't think they even themselves out in the sense that it's 50-50, but like over time, 
things generally are like as close to even as you can get. It's interesting, just in the NFL, I mean, Patrick Watson says Steelers versus Ravens used to be a very watchable game. The quality has fallen off a cliff in the last oh, few years. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back entirely against that. I, I was looking forward to talking about this. I, I saw uh, a tweet from an American Ravens fan I follow who described the Ravens-Steelers game this week as like watching and maybe it's not maybe it's not against that point actually but it was like watching two teams in the English championship and I would have corrected them and said the Scottish championship who just hate each other and have hated each other for a hundred years that was that that was a, a properly good football game of teams that just don't like each other so we talking Melvin Morton here that it's that that type of thing, yeah. And obviously, like the Ravens are a the Ravens are a good team. I think the Steelers in general are a good team, just without anything at quarterback right now. But the Ravens went into that game with their backup quarterback. The Steelers went in that game and had to move to their backup quarterback. The Ravens then had to move to the third stringer, and the game came down to the fact that the Ravens blocked a field goal. But the Ravens players were dancing and waving towels on the sideline, mocking the Steelers' terrible towels. Dancing and singing along to Renegade that the Steelers play at all their home games. Like, even though it's not it, it's not the same quality of game that it was back in, you know, the days where both teams were right at the top of the AFC. It, like, it's a proper feisty hate each other encounter. And the fact that the Ravens just ran the ball down the throat of the Steelers all game long is the most satisfied I've been watching a game of football this season. Don't even care that they're not as good a team. But wins against better teams, just don't care. Going into Pittsburgh and just winning ugly made me incredibly smug. <laughs> Smugness is, is such a trait that people just don't like. Steelers and Ravens fans don't like each other. And you know what? I, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I agree with Patrick. It's not the same quality of game in terms of you wouldn't want it on prime time. But I think you're right, Gordon. It's very watchable just because the two teams hate each other. And it is that sort of St. Martin, Morton, you know, Falkirk, Dunfermline, if you want to go down that route. It's that sort of different edgy type of thing. So let's, I, let's I, I also think based on some of the games I've seen in primetime this season, it probably should have been. <laughs> I, there, have, there have been some bad primetime games. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Mark McCune says the Texans a yard away from the upset win against the Cowboys playing well and they blow it. Not sure multiple early draft picks will turn them around next year. Sarah Taylor says the Bucks are just painful to watch right now and I think you're absolutely right. In fact, you can see the NFC South is absolutely terrible. Stephen Lynn's point, no one deserves to win that crapshoot of a division and Tom Brady, you can finally join Aaron Rodgers on the TV next season by retiring. Stuart Moody, um, He's a, yeah, well, he might be, but Stuart, but I'm not going to repeat that on here. Brian Morris says, Tom Brady, therefore mentioned TB12 is starting to show his age. Didn't know how to handle San Francisco's marauding line. Ryan Johnson, Tom Brady, any chance to put him in here has to be taken. Uh, Steve Collins says, Tom Brady's cryptocurrency <laughs> position. How did that cost him all the cryptocurrency crashing? Yeah, he's, he might not have had the best of luck this year. I uh, looked a shadow of a player it was a real MVP discussion just a couple of weeks ago, says Kenny Law about Tua. Tua didn't play particularly well. Let's just touch on Tom Brady for a moment because I think Tom Brady's still, I mean, he looked a little bit upset on the sidelines and you want that, but he still took time to you know, shake hands with his opponents, seek people out and things like that. I think just, I like that. I don't like the Ronaldo storming off, you know, in soccer's World Cup, you know, because it was all about him. Tom Brady, Ian Stephen, at least I think it's a bit more class about him. You're talking to the wrong person here. Brady's famous in Philadelphia for to refusing to shake Nick Foles' hand twice. That's Philadelphia. No, no, no. I mean, Nick it, Foles. Nick Foles is a perfectly nice gentleman. He, he, didn't, he play, didn't play opposite Brady in that sense. He wasn't sacking him. He wasn't dirty. It was he did not shake his hand twice. So Brady is as um, vulnerable to the sins of man as anyone. But has has he learned from that? You wonder. Does he realise that? Yeah, this is it for him. So have a word with the young quarterback. Have a word with the young players that want to have a word I with think, you. I think he's grumpier and tetchier as he's got older, to be honest. 
You'd think he's more aware of his own image now than anything else. Funnily enough, I've got more enlightened and more cheerful as I've got older. You wouldn't like to see me 20 years ago, that's for sure. Uh, let's have a look at some of the others that we've got coming in here. Yeah, let, let's talk about Tua for a minute. I mean, Gordon, I think this is the classic example of you have a good game one week, you have a stinker the next. I mean, they've not done well on the West Coast whatsoever, but they've got another big co- game coming up this week. We can't, we can't. Two is not either brilliant or terrible. He will, he will land somewhere in the middle. I've got a theory why, but Gordon, on you, on you go first. Two, two is. I saw a really good discussion about this on Twitter this week, and Tua and Herbert. If you look at the way they are talked about, Tua is a average to above average quarterback who has elite weapons now and Justin Herbert is a good to good, good to very good. I don't think he's I don't think he's good to great at this point. Quarterback who doesn't really have great weapons around him. Like Keenan Allen's not the same player anymore. Mike Williams been hurt a lot this year. There's a very good case to be made for the system around Tua is allowing him to be good. It takes away... So Tua's not the most accurate quarterback in the NFL when he's throwing the ball downfield. Tyreek Hill increases the radius that you can miss by if you're going to miss deep downfield. There's yeah. probably there's probably an extra five yards of an overthrow that Tyreek Hill's going to get to. Jalen Waddle's probably similar, not quite the same extent. So that kind of pushed those things up. Um, big game for the Dolphins this uh, against the Bills, though. Win that game and... High breaks confirmed against the Bills. Uh, they can still go and win the still win the AFC East. Ian, you you've got a take. Yeah, I was watching the the game and I felt that the Chargers um, just used zone very well. So whenever the Dolphins tried to get somebody moving behind the line of scrimmage to either get a release or to tip off the coverage, the the Chargers did react. And I don't think Tua had the initial reads that he wanted. So I think it was a really good performance by them uh, on defence and there was a couple of couple of questionable throws that to put up as well Paddy Kelly nominates the horrible officiating the roughing call on Herbert was just laughable and several missed calls for holds on Max Crosby Jason Hoffman says the Miami Dolphins are the little lambs for needing heated benches for a game played in a dome <laughs> which is just a little dig let's see how they get on in Buffalo gentlemen I you need to argue against this because I'm going to say that Bowfink at the moment are the Raiders. I thought they had the chance to go That's, forward and make a statement. It's the Raiders. It's yep. absolutely the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not waste any time on the Las Vegas Raiders getting our Bowfink of the Week award. That takes us to our team of the week. We already know Brock Purdy will be in at quarterback. The future Hall of Famer is in there. Ewan Ingram is our tight end. So, gentlemen, we're looking for our running back, our wide receivers, and our offensive line. I don't think he's been in the team so far this year, so I think Miles Sanders has got an excellent shout at running back. 140 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. Breaks a 1,000 yards rushing for the season. First time for the Eagles since 2014. I'll see if Gordon's got any counter to that. I'd probably go. I'd. He's going to go Chris and McCaffrey. No, I'm not going to go. <laughs> so, uh, I, I kind of do want to go for the homer, but it probably is Sanders. I think it is. I would just also make the case that J.K. Dobbins has come back from an ACL injury. He had to miss time this year because he wasn't all the way back came back into that game and made a pretty good case for where running backs do matter a little bit more in the sense that the ones that can create a little bit more than what the offensive line gives them. Um, I think he just did a good handful of runs in that game that a couple of quick little cuts and stuff like that, but I think you're probably right. I'd probably go Miles Sanders. Okay, we'll take Miles Sanders. Let's sort out our wide receivers uh, Justin Jefferson got a mention for the 223 yards. Does he slot in or have we got people? Ca- Cam- Cameron's not here to say we can't put Justin Jefferson in because he's been in too many times. He had 223 yards. He's in. Yeah. Surely. Okay. Yep. 
I've written him in, so he is now in. <laughs> so who else caught your eye? I've got I've got one name that so there's the obvious name of Jamar Chase. The guy who I think has a good shout as the third is Chris Moore for the Texans. He had a couple of really nice catches, 124 yards. He was pretty good. Yeah, that that to be honest, that's quite impressive. And we don't get too many in uh, Houston Texan nominations so far. I, d- I don't think we've had any. I, d- I didn't even. I actually forgot the Texans still played in the NFL. It's been so long since we've mentioned them. In this respect, Mike Williams had a great game for the Chargers. I thought coming back from an injury and he made a couple of really good uh, contested catches. Um, but Jefferson and we are, I think, are locks. It's just that third person. Is Jamar Chase going to be our third person or are we going to argue for the Chargers? I mean, Jamar Chase was impressive as always. I thought in, in a big game as well. He is, he is so reliable at the moment. I'd, I'd probably go Chase. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll go with Chase. Ian, offensive line. You're always looking at the lines for us who... You know, there's some good performances, but sometimes it just depends on the health of the lines. You know, I think listening to the San Francisco-Tampa Bay game on the radio, I mean, the Bucks last year used same front five, and this year they've been decimated by it. You know, it's just so difficult. Um, very rarely does your second wave do as well, but who caught your eye this week? Ian, Ian do, the, do the right thing here. I, 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 I pushed for Sanders in the end. Do the right thing. Well, you've got me nominate the 49ers? No. I don't know if I can. <laughs> um, no, are, no. You, are, you wanting me to, are you wanting me to nominate the Ravens for some reason? I mean, they ran for like over 200 yards against the Steelers on the road. They had a game where they played their third string quarterback for most of the game and they won because they ran the ball down their throats. It's December football. That's what it is. Can I get front row seats when you're doing your Doubt and Debbie routine? Yes. Okay. Well, we can bill it. So your two shows that you're billing, one includes the X Factor, and this one can be billing as uh, starring the Sex Factor. Okay. <laughs> oh, can, no. we put, can we put a disclaimer, actually, just in case people actually buy these tickets and then complain? Gordon McGuinness is the Sex Factor. I think we need to get that as a ringtone. That, that, that is certainly, certainly the way to go. We'll make that Cameron's text alert. That's for sure. Let me run you through the Stromash NFL Scotland podcast. Team of the Week, Brock Purdy of the 49ers, Miles Sanders of the Philadelphia Eagles, our wide-receiving trio, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase and Chris Moore. Congratulations to him. Tight end, Evan Ingram, and our offensive line is the Baltimore Ravens, and that is your Team of the Week. Gents, it's starting to get to what sometimes they describe as the business end. It's a little bit lazy, but we've got lots of football to look forward to this coming weekend. We've got Thursday night football. Do you know something? It's that time of the season where you need an accompaniment to your NFL viewing, and uh, I would actually like to nominate um, Loch Lomond Whiskey as the perfect accompaniment to December football. And one thing that I've actually uh, recently discovered, which is a good idea for anybody, you know that you can't think of something to say to your parents or your children or your your better half about what you would like for Christmas. Did you know that if you log into their phone or you go online onto the computer, the work computer, and you just actually go onto the local Omen website, that then kicks in all the cookies and they're going to start getting reminders all the time for Loch Lomond whiskey and you just have to suggest you know something I would love a really nice whiskey for Christmas bang there you go it's already subliminally implanted in their heads that's just my recommendation for Christmas and we've turned into like an impromptu ad read but it it is a really good whiskey I say this all the time if you're not a big whiskey drinker it's a really good like entry level whiskey I I like making old fashions. I was about to say I make a lot of old fashions. It would make me seem like someone who potentially drinks too much. It's potentially not a 
inaccurate statement. Anyway, Gordon, uh, is, Gordon is actually saying this while he's dressed in a dressing ground with a cravat. I'm gonna, so, I'm gonna point, I'm gonna point out it's minus six in Glasgow, and it hasn't been above minus six in like thirty hours. I'm cold, and this is a very warm dressing gown. Anyway, Gordon, you've got a full head of hair. What are you complaining about? I've got nothing up top. You should be worried I'm not about wearing, me. I'm not wearing the dressing gown on my head. <laughs> anyway, Loch Lomond, Loch Lomond whiskey makes a very, very good old fashioned. Uh, I will be enjoying one when I uh, nervously watch the Ravens play the Browns on Saturday. Yeah, I made the mistake of driving when Gordon was getting to enjoy all the whiskey cocktails. Him and Cameron were supping their delights, and I made the mistake of driving, so I didn't get to enjoy any of them. So I was in a pout that day. Well, as people possibly know, I've got a wonderful um, collection. I've got three bottles of Loch Lomond Mott on display in my study where I work out of together with the glasses. I've never tasted a nip of whiskey, and I have said I'm going to do so live on the podcast in the new year. Oh, no, so can you do it do live that. at a show? No, because I'll be driving, so I can't do it live at a show. Adam uh, will drive. I'm, Get your son he, to drive. He can't drive. He's still learning. Anyway, it doesn't, I, it doesn't I will, matter. I will, that's, just, that's just legal loopholes. <laughs> We're not encouraging illegality. Uh, let's have a look at some of these games. Seahawks 49ers is all of a sudden very tasty. I think going the Seahawks would be kicking themselves that they lost to the Panthers. This is now a must win for them against the 49ers. Yeah, and it's not it's not a great matchup. This, this was always a little bit of the worry with the Seahawks, is that Geno Smith looked pretty good. In fact, he looked very good to, be, to give him complete credit. But you know, you get the advantage of the 49ers starting quarterback going down and all of a sudden Tom Brady Mark II appears. As That was a direct quote from Cameron, by the way. Um, <laughs> so, I, I, but it is, it, this is, you know, must win for the for the Seahawks. Otherwise, that division's out of reach. Yeah, definitely. It's a tasty one for some Thursday night football. I still remain underwhelmed by Amazon's coverage. Vikings-Colts on Saturday. Browns-Ravens. And Bill's Dolphins look for the son of a current announcer making his debut on the Vikings Colts game. Rich Eisen bizarrely will take charge of the Ravens Browns. I might just watch it just to listen to that. And then the Bill's Dolphins, Sunday the 18th of December, or as it's more commonly known, my birthday, gets us underway at 1.15. So I'm looking forward to watching that World Cup. Final day. And then we have got some tasty games. The Bears will take on the Eagles. I quite fancy the Jets-Lions. I think that's quite a tasty little game. I mean, Dan Campbell, you always get that hard knocks bounce and people think, oh, he looks good, he looks great. But Dan Campbell at the moment is looking the real deal. I think that's going to be pretty interesting. The Eagles shouldn't have any trouble with the Bears. Panthers-Steelers doesn't look like a primetime game. Texans-Chiefs looks like, well, Texans get massacred in that one. Saints-Falcons, snooze fest because it's the NFC South. Jaguars-Cowboys. Now, gents, I put it to you that this will be a really decent game because Trevor Lawrence, as Gordon alluded to earlier, is starting to pick up and knowing how to play. And the Jags are showing that good coaching can make all the difference in the world. Convince me otherwise that this won't be a good game. No, I think this could be, it could be an absolute shootout. Ian, was it one of the way games you'd be looking to watch? I mean, once the Eagles have deposited the Bears? Oh, you've always got one eye on your division rivals, really, don't you? And it's one of those games where you're crossing your fingers and hoping that a little bit of Doug Peterson, Philadelphia Philadelphia loyalty kicks in and the Jacksonville puts one over in, in Dallas. You can see it coming down to the last two minutes and somebody making a, a drive and maybe that will be one of the drives for Trevor Lawrence that cements his abilities in a national stage because everybody tunes in to watch the Cowboys play so it could well end up being absolutely fantastic or what's probably going to happen is it's going to be a lightning delay for three hours and then horrendous rain and everybody's going to play to a 10-10 tie with six fumbles aside. <laughs> Always looking on the bright side. Uh, Broncos Cardinals, I don't think that classes as a much watch at the moment. Raiders Patriots, I think would have had more of an edge if the Raiders had have won the other night. Chargers Titans becomes an interesting game because the Titans need this. They're just, I'm, I still can't decide how good or how bad the Titans are. 
Uh, they are as good as the fourth seed in the AFC and not any better. Okay. I, I think it's, it's really interesting, though. Like, if you look at the games that they've got left to play, the, the Titans and Jaguars have got kind of similar schedules. Um, so the Titans play the Chargers this week. They then play the Texans. They then play the Cowboys and the end with the Jaguars. The Jaguars also play the Cowboys this week. Then they play the Jets. Then they play the Texans. And then they play each other. So the Jaguars get a win against the Cowboys and the Jets. I think that comes down to a final a final game because I think the Titans lose either this week to the Chargers or against the Titan against the Cowboys. Bengals Buccaneers, uh, one of the late game slates. Uh, Sunday night football, Commanders Giants. Given the fact they tied last time round, we'd be interested. And of course, the schedulers were really patting themselves on the back, getting Christmas week underway beautifully. Monday night football, the Packers and the Rams. It's almost like the irrelevant uh, Packers and Rams. At yeah, the it's not. It's, it's, it's not good, is it? The afternoon slate, though, is really good. Um, yeah. Ignore Broncos, Cardinals. Ignore Patriots, Raiders. But those three games, Titans, Chargers is probably not going to be a particularly good game, but it, it's good for playoff um, seeding things. The Bengals, I, I feel like we... <laughs> I feel like we probably don't talk about them enough and haven't talked about them enough in the last six weeks. They're, they're just really good. It's really quite unfortunate and it's quite upsetting that the Ravens have got an injury at quarterback that means at best they're probably hoping to go into that game in the last week of the season knowing a win wins the AFC North. It's really tough to see where the Bengals' loss comes. Even So the, the Bucks this week, I think the uh, tough game, but I think they'll win. They then play the Bills. Uh, I think they play the Bills then, or is it the fall? No, it might be after that. Um, they then play the Patriots. Again, they'll be a tough game for them, but the Bengals will win that. I think they'll win when they go away at the Bills as well. They're just... Joe Burrow's playing really well. They've got incredible talent uh, at wide receiver, and they've got a pretty good defense as well. They're, <laughs> they're an annoyingly good football team. They were, they were supposed to not be this good this year because they had a tougher schedule. And we're probably not giving Joe Burrow enough credit as a top five quarterback in the NFL right now. Yeah, it's pretty stunning. I wonder where the upset is going to come this week in the NFL. There was quite a few last weekend with both the Jags and the Panthers impressive on the road. We will ask our friends at the WIN NFL show where the upset is going to come from. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. It's the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon, and I'm joined by Dave Somerville. How are you doing, Dave? Oh, fantastic. Trying to enjoy the cold weather, but what I'm really enjoying is a Rams win this week, finally. Oh, my word. Yes, and it was quite an exciting game for you. Like, talk about leaving it to the last minute with Baker Mayfield there uh, against the Raiders. So, Dave, we're going to be picking the upset of the week. Um, we're going to, we still can't get a hold of Callum. He seems to have gone incommunicado over in Las Vegas somewhere. But, uh, oh, hang on a second. What the heck is that? What is that? Dave, it's... It's a, it's one of the king's carrier pigeons. We've got a carrier pigeon. Hang on, wait a sec. I'll, I'll go and get him. Right, come here, you Come, right, come. There we are. Okay, right, okay. All right, so what have we got here? Hey, let's see, let's see. Okay, what's that? Friends and family. What is he talking about? In the ghetto? I don't know. Yeah, then it was. Uh, oh, all right, okay. Uh huh. Thank you very much. Okay, it's from Elvis, uh, and it says here, Dave, that he's actually picking the Rams to win Ooh. again this week against the Green Bay Packers. We'll get rid of this pigeon. Get out of here. So there we go, Dave. Um, he's on his way back. I'm not sure where he's come from. I'm assuming it's Las Vegas. So, the Rams over the Packers. What do you think, Dave? Baker Mayfield, can he do it two weeks in a row and lead the Rams to a second victory? 
Well, that like that pigeon, I think Baker's going to fly away with it because <laughs> I, I I think the Rams are going to beat the Packers. It's going to be monumental because it's been so long since we had a win up until this week. And then in the most spectacular fashion against the Raiders, who weren't that bad, but, you know, Baker picked them off. Uh, in, when he's had, what, one practice session and had 20 throws, he was able to get the job done. So what I think he's going to have to do to re- uh, repeat another win against the Packers is basically the play action is really important. It's got, And the offensive line just has to hold. Uh, for I think it was just the second game that we had the same offensive line uh, last week against the Raiders, which is just... Uh, it, the injuries have been that brutal. It, it's been really bad. But I think um, to kind of nullify the Packers' defense a little bit. We need to keep Jair Alexander out of the game completely, and that's very tough to do because he's usually on their top receiver, but we don't have a top receiver. So I think he needs to throw all over the show. On defense, I I mean, I think it's just a case of Max Ramsey up to Christian Watson and some of the other cornerbacks need to step up. Bobby Wagner, the highest highest rated linebacker in the league, Needs to have a good game. We need to stop Aaron Jones. Uh, we need to stop Dylan. I think we can do it. I genuinely think we can do it. I'm I'm a little bit more pumped for a Rams game than I have since the Super have been since the Super Bowl, and it's going to be a great feeling. But it's going to be even better to see Aaron Rodgers with another frown on his face. <laughs> <laughs> and of course the Packers there, they're coming off the bye week and the week before that they've beaten the Chicago mm-hmm. Bears. They're sitting at five and eight at the moment. Um obviously Rogers hasn't looked to be himself. I mean his his numbers are still, regardless of the record, Rogers' numbers mm-hmm. are still very good. Twenty eight hundred yards, twenty-two touchdowns, nine interceptions. For Rogers, that's a ridiculous amount of interceptions. That's huge. Uh, but he, he does have these weapons. You've already mentioned uh, Aaron Jones. Um, now, do we know, what do you think? The, the season, it's not over for the Packers. Do you think Aaron Rodgers is going to play this this full game? Do you think maybe they're thinking of already next year and bringing Jordan Love in? What do you reckon? Do you think while they've still got a chance, they're still going to have Aaron Rodgers back there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've just given him a huge contract and yeah. that I, I don't see Jordan Love coming in unless the Rams are about 30 points ahead and we don't have 30 points in our offense. So that's <laughs> not going to happen. Um, I I think with Jordan Love, the, the word around the league is that most teams, if not all teams, see him as a potential first choice franchise quarterback, uh, especially since we'll be able to see a few more things of what he can actually do with uh, Rodgers getting injured. Um one of the things the Rams have to do in regards to Rodgers, though, is to keep him in the pocket because that's where his interceptions have been coming and that's where the pressure is getting to him. So if we keep him in, in the pocket, spread the defensive line out a bit, you could see at least one interception from Aaron Rodgers in this game. And I'm predicting it's going to happen. I don't know who's going to catch it, but I think Rodgers throws an interception in this game as well. And obviously with Baker Mayfield injecting some real life into that Rams team at the end of the game uh, against the Raiders there, maybe, you know, maybe 30 points could be in the offing for the Rams. You never know. Um, you never know, I, but uh, I mean, if he headbutts any more cornerbacks, I think it, it's going to be 40 <laughs> points apiece. I think he does need to stop doing that, definitely. Um, so, Dave, it only remains for us to for you to give us a score. What do you reckon is going to be the final score for the Rams versus the Packers? I think it's going to finish 20 points to fit to 17. I, I think that um, the the Rams will have quite a few field goals or f- field goal opportunities. Mackey's going to get it done with a boot. I think there's going to be probably one or two rushing touchdowns as well. So Rams to get it by three. Well, there we have it. That is our pick for the upset of the week. The Los Angeles Rams over the Green Bay Packers. We're going to hand it over back to the guys at the Stramash podcast. Our thanks to the guys there for that. Almost time to wrap up, gents. Any other stories, anything else catching your eye before I ask Ian to tell us a little bit more about how we'll get tickets for the event in January? Ian, the floor is all yours. Yes, so we have live events on the 27th of January in Glasgow. That's in Maggie Bay's. And then on the 29th in Edinburgh, the show in Glasgow is going to be slightly different because we don't have any live games on. So it's going to be a more extended show. We're going to have podcast hosts aplenty 
I'm going to be working hard behind the scenes to see if we can get some special guests as well. Um, you're going to get a chance to actually meet Dante. It's not going to be like the NFL shows where they're up on stage. You don't get to see them. If you check in any of our um, social media feeds from the time when Hollis came over, um, people get to meet him. We've got two tiers as well. We've got uh, a VIP tier, VIP tier, should I say, for tickets which gets you a little bit extra um you get personalized photos you get extended time chatting you can bring um gear along to get signed by Dante remember he wasn't just a Kansas City Chief in St Louis Ram he was also a Scottish Claymores player as well so if you've got any Claymores gear you want to get signed you can bring it along um and it's going to be a fantastic night both on the Friday for more of an extended live show and then on the Sunday when we have the NFL championship games taking place and we will be watching along with Dante when these games are taking place and that'll be in the golf tavern in Edinburgh or regular hunt it's going to be absolutely sensational we look forward to that get your tickets early get them as Christmas presents for people as well what an ideal thing to get a wee envelope with some tickets that gives you a guaranteed great night out in January that's it for our review of week 14 I look forward to week 15 of the NFL just a handful of regular season games to go before the playoffs come around remember to check out our website and stay across all our social media channels Cameron Hobbs will I'm going to be brave here. Cameron Hobbs will be back next week as we will get together to review week 15 and talk on our episode pod 215. But for now, for Gordon McGuinness, for Ian Stephen and myself, Paul Mitchell, thanks for listening. Bye for now. (laughs) 